Welcome to Footy Stories with Alex Bolter and Ryan Rainville. Alex and Ryan take you through the lives of different footballers, coaches and ambassadors, as well as relevant news in the football world from a Canadian perspective. Alex is an UEFA A licensed certified coach who runs a soccer club. Ryan is an avid observer who has a unique outlook on the game and industry. Together, they bring you the stories of today. Today we have Jose Luis Carrera, known as Chua, who will be talking about Mexican soccer, both their leagues, national teams, players abroad, um, their Mexican perspective on Canadian soccer and football, and you know the whole situation in the CONCACAF. Hope you enjoy. Welcome Chua to, uh, to Footy Stories, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, and I, I hope uh, you find interesting the Mexican football, the stories that we're we're gonna talk about. Absolutely, absolutely. Che- yeah, Chowie. Um, is it Chewy or Chow? I don't want to mess it up. Chowie. Yes. I can't call you Chewy. Damn, no Star Wars references. Okay, <laughs> Chowie. Wel- uh, welcome. I'm Alex. Uh, I, I think we've met before. We were uh, talking about it at uh, actually at Ryan's wedding in Mexico, but. Uh, yeah, glad to have you on the show as well. Thank you so but, much. So, yeah, I guess the, the place we'll start is obviously, you know, like most leagues around the world, the, the Mexican professional league is uh, is closed for the coronavirus. Uh, is, are there any plans to reopen? Do they have any targeted dates? What are What's the, the current state of affairs with soccer in Mexico? Well, it's a mess, generally speaking, uh, everything here in Mexico. Uh, so far, the this season has been cancelled with no champion. Really? Yes. Oh, it's canceled completely. It's canceled. Wow. I think it's more political than any other thing. But we in Mexico we have uh, two seasons per year, so it goes from uh, January to May, and then from more or less July to December, and it's called Apertura and Clausura. The, the the current one is closed, and they are expecting to start the new league on July 17, I believe. Okay, so they, they, they basically abandoned it. So, so how would that impact uh, relegation or promotion from the, the second division, or would it at all? That's a really interesting question, because uh, one month ago, it was decided that there, there's going to be no more uh, uh, a second league. Now we just have the, the, the Liga MX, and that's it. Mexican league, it's really, in, well, I don't think it's interesting. It's rather corrupt. Because we have the, the owners of each of the third division teams own the federation, so they they get to choose whatever they want to do with the national team and the league. Right now, they decided to to close the 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 second league uh, for at least five seasons. So there is no risk to going down for the the near future. Okay, so it's so what you're saying it's similar than like MLS then. There, you're basically in the league full time, but I don't. I still don't understand. You, you're saying that this, like, where do these second division teams go? Do some of them getting promoted now to the top league, and some move down? There the are third? talks to bring like three to five teams to the first division, but the at uh, the very least, they are trying to make a, a, another league that's going to be focused more on like the American league to have uh, uh, college uh, players uh, playing there. So like almost like a development. So like almost like a USL, exactly. USL. Yes, league. exactly. 
Wow. Wow. So the, is that is did they actually look at the U.S. as a model or, or are they coming up with this kind of... No? The thing is, the, the U.S. is really attractive, attractive because economically speaking, it's way over us. So they are trying to... Mm, there, there's talks about making a Mexican-American league. I think they're making some experiments to, to see how well we can match with them. I think the uh, problem in the the principal problem with the U.S. league is that they just play for a few months a year and the rest of the world is playing all the time. So if we in Mexico start doing that, which is not going to happen because it's the national sport, our level is going to uh, drop. Interesting. So is there any talk? I mean, obviously the big, big clubs in, in, in Mexico, I guess sometimes you'll hear this in Scotland where Rangers and Celtic would want to join the Premier League. Would would the top teams in Mexico, would they have any interest in joining the MLS? And because and, they could make more money playing in the U.S. than they could in, in Mexico. Yes, for sure. Uh, there was going to be a, a, a game, I think it was Cruz Azul against... Uh, Zlatan was on the LA Galaxy or, or the other? Yes. Yes, yes LA Galaxy. There was going to be a, a match between them. And people was... Like an exhibition? Yes. Exactly. And people was really excited to see those players in Mexico. At the end of the day, Cruz Azul won and it wasn't a, a really good match. But they're, they're, it's interesting to play in the U.S. Most of our uh, friendly games, we play it on, on Texas because there's a lot more, much money than... Yeah, it's almost a home game too, exactly. though, for you. <laughs> when you come down Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how often the Mexican national team are playing any... any friendly games are almost always in in the United States, I guess, just because of the, the money that they can generate. Yes, basically because of that. Interesting. And so it, how does the, the system the system work? Because uh, the, the Mexican League is, is a little bit like American sports in the sense that it's it's not like Europe where the champion is the team with the most points at the end. There's a there's a playoff component. How does that how does the playoff system work in, in Mexican soccer? It has changed throughout the years several times right now. Well, there's no going to the second division. Uh, it used to be they counted four seasons, and the one with the fewer points uh, went to the second division. But well, that's no longer. Did you say four seasons? Yes, six months season. Over two two years. So th this is so over two years. Exactly. So it's really hard. That's insane. It's really hard for the the, the powerful teams to to go to the second division. But the, uh, it's uh, it's a mess. The one that goes to to the first division, they are gonna count only one year of points because they don't ha they haven't been on the first division for two years. So oh, okay. So hold on. So you, what you're saying is it was based on a two year um, season, but then after the first year, you'd have promotion relegation. Yes. Wow, that's so strange. Yes, it's really strange. <laughs> And who, like you said, that the owners decide a lot of these rules. It's not even the Mexican Federation. So how did, like, how did this come to be? The well, actually, the owners of the teams own the federation. Each one has one vote. <laughs> so it's a mess because there is no a counterpart to 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 see for the the good of the game. It's just money and, and like a, a private club. So how close is this to Club de Cuervos? And for our listeners, great 
uh, series on Netflix. It's in Spanish, but it's a Mexican series. It's incredible. I recommend anyone who likes soccer. Rainer actually suggested it to me. I, w- I fell right in. Um, great show. But how close is it to that? Because it's, it's, it was insane what was happening on the show. Well, many things that happen on the show happen in real life. So I say it's pretty close. <laughs> the- That's outrageous. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Can you give me an example of uh, uh, something on the show that that happened in real life? When what's the name of the player from Barcelona? Is the Cantona? Aitor. Oh, um, Aitor. Aitor. Yes. yes. Aitor came. Uh, the, the whole country stopped, but he was such a diva and and never did anything. I don't remember if if it was that character that after an earthquake or, or something he went away running. Something like that happened. I don't remember. The thing is, in real life, Ronaldinho went to Querétaro for a couple of... No, not no, Ronaldinho, Bebeto. Bebeto came to yes. play with... with so English. Bebeto, for our listeners, before you go on, he was a World Cup winner in 94 in the US, was one of the Brazilian striker... Yeah, Brazilian strike partners with uh, Romario. So he was, you know, great career. Sorry, keep going. Yes, exactly. Um, he went to Toros Nesa, played a couple of months, and there there was a mild earthquake. He ran away to the airport and went to Brazil. <laughs> he never came back. That was it. He never came back. Wow. Wow. But if, if you, you remember, a lot of the in, – in Club de Cuervos, there's a lot of moments of these – these big meetings where all the heads of the clubs would get together and they would decide essentially everything that happened with, with Mexican soccer. And, you know, even as far as into the national team, who got picked for the national team and, and, and who was out of the national team and who couldn't be picked. It was, I mean, I saw it in Club de Cuervo and obviously I thought it was a joke. I didn't realize that there was that much truth to it um, in reality. Yes. That's how we, it goes. Interesting. Other thing that happened is when, uh, Cuervos is split in two teams. Uh, yes. Something like that has happened a couple of times. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a, a a really classic team called Atlante. They went to second division, but then they bought the the team that was going up. <laughs> they transformed it into the new the new Atlante, and then next season they they change again the 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 name. It was a mess. It was crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> this is hilarious. This is honestly like there's stories because I'm Serbian, right? And and we there's some corruption stories, but not not like this. Like this is next level corruption <laughs> yeah. in comparison. That's that's phenomenal. And I was I was just telling Alex too, we, we were talking be- before you joined us that uh in you know in, in Europe it's unheard of for a club to leave a city and then you know and then move to another city but in Mexican I mean that happens in North American sports where teams will will move between cities it does happen in, in in Mexican soccer as well there have been some teams that have decided to to leave and and, and go someplace else several times I'm a uh, my team is Necaxa they were from Mexico City then moved to Aguascalientes then uh, Atlante was from Mexico City and moved to Cancun and this week without any notice uh, Morelia, which has been in, in the Mexican League for, I don't know, 60 years, they, somebody bought him, and they were taking them to, to Mazatlán. Wow. And people were really, really pissed because from one day to another, they have no team. Today, they are packing all the, all the things from the stadium to take it to the other one. Wow. And Mazatlán is a big, is so, a big for anyone who knows, is a big uh, narco area. I'm not going to assume that, but maybe you'll tell us. Is, is there some narco money behind this type of move? Well, uh, El Chapo's favorite city is Mazatlán. Right. 
Interesting. I don't know if that answers your, your question. <laughs> so, so one more time, watch Club de Cuervas on, uh, Netflix. on yeah. Netflix. Incredible it, it, show. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. So tell us a little bit about uh, what, does, um, what does Mexican soccer fan culture look like? What is it, what is it like to be, uh, obviously, a fan of one of these clubs? What does it mean to, to go to a game? And obviously, I'm sure it's different depending on what team you support. But what is a game day experience like? If you were to go with your friends uh, to, to watch a game, what does that look like? It's really passionate. We really enjoy it. There's a lot of beard, a lot of noise. It's really fun. The, the, the only bad thing is sometimes and in some games, it can get a little violent. So you have to be careful if you take your family to certain games. But uh, generally speaking, before the match, there's a lot of dancing, of tacos, of beer on, on the uh, stadium, outside the stadium. Once you're inside, well, the, the, the chanting starts. With, uh, Mexican tailgating. Sorry? Mexican tailgating. Yeah. That's that's a tailgating, a, a common thing done over here for football, for example. Sorry, okay. keep going. Um, and well, I don't know. I, I think there's a little crisis from people not going as much as they used to go to the to the stadium because of the the violence and the league is not that good. So it it, it has to. There's two sides of the story. One is that almost any team can win the league on, on a good, I don't know, Necaxa has won and they are really low-budget team. Um, I don't know. America is, America is one of the, the teams that is usually fighting for the championship. But the rest of the, of the league, most of the time, can, anyone can win. It's very competitive so that, like that. When you look at the table, you know, the team that won the the apertura and then going into clausura it, the the table will completely flip very quickly i mean th that is one of the interesting components of, of mexican soccer if you follow it even just mildly so it, it can be interesting because your, your team has a chance but it also makes it that you never know what's going to happen and, and perhaps the team is doing great this season and next next season it's really really bad so wouldn't that make it you know more entertaining for people to watch because uh, you said the attendance has dropped. Like, what is the average attendance as well now in 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 the first division? Depends. America, uh, Estadio Azteca has how many? You're talking about Club America for our listeners. Yes, right? Club America uh, plays on the Estadio Azteca. That's the second or third biggest one in in the whole continent. And on on playoffs, it, it, it's full. But in regular season, it depends on match. It can be half or less. And it's about 85,000 or 90,000 people they can put in there? Yes. Okay. Uh, it, but then you have Seoul, for instance, uh, it's half. It's, it's half that, that big. So it depends very much on, on the, team that, the team that's playing and the stadium. In the stadium. And so what are some of the, the, the big teams? You mentioned a couple. Uh, America. What are some of the big uh, the big games, the big rivalries in, in, in Mexican soccer? What are the ones where if they're playing, everyone's getting together to watch it or people are going out to, uh, to make sure that they, they've got to be in front of their TV to see it? There's the regional ones like Monterrey versus Tigres. That's on, on, on the north of the, of the country. Then you have uh, Guadalajara Chivas against Atlas which is, I don't know, it might be a, a good match, but it's only local. And the big ones are America against someone. It's uh, America against Chivas, 
which is the biggest one, this is the national uh, classic, because uh, Chivas has only Mexican players for um, I don't know how many years. For, well, all, all the all the history of Chivas, they only have Mexican players. And America, uh, well, it, it was obviously really popular, and they won a lot. And then came um, there's also two. We're probably gonna talk about this later. Two big net, uh, TV networks on Mexico. So one is TV Azteca and the other is Televisa. The owner of Televisa came and bought America in the 70s, I believe, and started uh, buying many foreign players. So they became. He, he wanted America to be to become the villain of the of the Mexican league, and the hero was Chivas. So ever since, the, it's the biggest match. Interesting. So America is okay, kind of like the, the, the New York Yankees. They've got all the money that they buy, you know, the foreign players and, and Chivas are seen as more uh, authentically Mexican because they've got an all Mexican team. That's correct. Okay. Interesting. And, and just going back you, you said something about like the, the quality of football is not as good now. Why do you say that? There are many movements. They, they, um, we feel like there, because it's not constant, the league, the, the, the quality, it usually drops. So when we play uh, against South American teams, we see that we have really good teams and players. But the Mexican league, it's, some, it's usually boring. From, I don't know, like 10 years, yeah, from 10 years to, to today, it has dropped on quality. It's not as, as intense as it used to be. Many. So I guess that's maybe that's because of the environment too, like you're talking about the fans, not being as full as stadiums and so forth. Does that have something to do with yes. it? Yes. And instead of trying to to be more competitive, they do this that they cancel the the second division, and they stop going to Copa America to Libertadores. So instead of doing something to to improve our level, we are trying to play more with the US that has a lower level than. Uh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, so they're not – because for our listeners, Libertadores is the South American, basically, Champions League. And uh, the quality, the level is higher than, you know, playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. So I can see what you're saying in terms of the level. They're not striving for more. So on that, uh, so what are your thoughts on – uh, Mexican players like staying at home, playing in Mexico versus moving to Europe, or say even MLS, like you got Carlos Vela, right? Who's I think a great striker. But um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? I think on Carlos that? Vela is a good example of the Mexican player because he's so good. He could uh, he could have been a, a star with Ronaldo or Messi. He could have played on any team, and he decided to go to the U.S. having 28 years old. So I don't. Yeah, prime of his career. It's crazy. crazy. And I think that there, there's a saying here in Mexico uh, because when national uh, the national team came to the World Cups, players were really, really scared. They, they missed their tackles. They missed their moms. And they say it's the Jaibon. That's the name of a player that was, was uh, one of the best we had at that time. Like, it, I think it was on Sweden. I'm not so sure which World Cup was, but he missed so much his, his home city that he came into a depression and played awfully the whole World Cup. And to this day, it happens a lot. Some players 
prefer to stay here or go to the US to be near their family than to go to Europe. And when they go to Europe, they they go thinking they can play on Real Madrid on Barcelona from the from the start. And well, it's really hard to get to that level. Interesting. So that's kind of the known thing so in what, Mexico is that they they you know it, it's hard for them to adapt abroad or to 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 fight abroad. Whereas you know if you look at other you know South America, you look at Argentina or, or Brazil, it's normal. It's part of what they do. They go to Europe and and a lot of them thrive. But it, it seems that in Mexico, what you're saying is that they're uncomfortable doing that. Yes, and I was looking at a a chart. There are more Americans and Canadians players outside their country than Mexican. Interesting. Well, in Canada, there's fewer options. <laughs> but your but your Mex but but your Mexican league, yeah, that's right, Rainer. Your Mexican league uh, pays well yes. though, overall. Yes, right? it's it's one of the best pay, paid on on the whole continent. Probably. Yeah. So then they're not going to leave, right? Unless it's something much better. Um, Cause it, like you said, or Rainer alluded to, or yourself that it's safe, right. And there's getting paid. So why take the risk if, uh, if you're not necessarily going to get paid so much more and you're not, you know, jumping to Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever. Yes. Um, so yeah, makes sense. I mean, uh, on that, I just want to talk a little bit on the, about the national team. Um, and before we talk about the current state, I want, I just thought of this and I've always thought this and I feel like Mexico has an inferiority complex. And what I mean is you always underperform in my opinion, always like, yeah, sure. Sometimes, you know, you play Argentina. I, I can't remember. Was it was at 06 or whatever. 2010, you know, um, or yeah, I think it was 2006. Well, okay, on, both, but on, so, on Germany, we, it was a great match and on South Africa, it's a terrible Yes, it was a great match. That's what that's the one I was talking about. Like it was, I think Max Rodriguez scored yes. uh, a volley. It was an unbelievable volley. But anyways, what I'm getting at is okay. That game, you know. But every time I see you guys go, like last one against the Dutch, uh, what was that? 2014. Yes. Um, 2014 one sticks in my head because you were up, you were playing great football, and all of a sudden, as soon as you got the lead, it they like got scared and they just started like defending, playing like not to lose. And then, and then they gave away obviously a silly penalty in the end. But, but like, had they kept playing the way they were playing, I think they would have outright won that game. And I, I just always fought, fought, feel you underperform you at the World Cup when you play against so-called bigger countries. What are your thoughts? Well, on I, that? I think we are aware of that. We all agree that that's the problem with Mexican national team. And generally speaking, I think with the with our culture is like like that. We have a impurity complex. Well, I, I don't want to get too much into uh, the, the cultural thing, but on football, uh, the generation that won the under 17 was the first one that really broke that paradigm. And they have a lot of, of work, psychological work. But after they won the, the World Cup, they kind of vanished. You have Giovanni Dos Santos that was playing at Tottenham with Luka Modric. Uh, the career they, yeah. they both had, you can't compare them. Giovanni was way better than him. And he went to Barcelona, but couldn't uh, do anything great there. And then he, he went to, I, I don't remember which one, which other Spanish team he went, and then to the US, which is crazy. He, he was a really good player. And Modric, he became 
I mean, the, the world of football the, of the year, one of the best in the world. And, and when yeah, he played it, went to a exactly. final World Cup and helped lead his team, yeah. So we are aware that we, we lack some uh, personality. And there have been some, some ex exceptions like Hugo Sanchez or Rafa Marquez, but generally speaking, we need more uh, personality there. I think Rafa Marquez overachieved. I, 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 I don't know how he played for Barcelona. I'm going to be honest with you. I know he's a legend in Mexico, but I have no idea how he played for Barcelona when they were great too. Like in that, he was on that 2009 team that won every trophy possible. Yes. But anyways, I we go unless you want to talk about it. We can yeah, move yeah, on yeah. from that. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, he was a great player, but you can see the the, the games on on YouTube. <laughs> so it, it is. Uh, um, with the national team, I, I think there's almost similarities in in between Canada and Mexico, and, and that sounds crazy to, to think about. But in terms of just uh, underachieving, obviously at different levels, but Mexico has so many huge population, huge soccer crazy country, and you'd look at them and think they should be winning more or going further in World Cups. And then you look at a country like Canada, you know, a lot of money, a lot of kids at a very young age playing soccer, and our end product at the end doesn't seem to match up now the, the differences are or, i mean the uh the reasons are completely different between mexico and canada but you look at two countries that really are doing worse than they should be uh in terms of their performing uh, at the national level but even even on that it's it's like when you look at mexican players a lot of times individually yes they're not all playing in super huge clubs in europe but you look at them just individually on the ball you go these guys are ballers like they're they've got quality like not four or five players, they got eight or nine quality in their 11 that can, you know, look dangerous. So, yeah, it, we don't. When I watched, we watched the game this past summer, it was the Gold Cup, and we saw like Rodolfo Pizarro against Canada was just, he tore us to pieces. And he just went to, he's went to MLS too, correct? I think he's going to be yes. in Miami, right? But that's an yes. excellent player. We would love to have a player like that. And he's, you know, we, I don't think we've got anyone in that mold uh, who can do what he does. Not even close. I guess looking at it, uh, yeah. are there are there any young play, Mexican players currently that uh, that that you're excited about, or that that the Mexican soccer world is excited to to see grow and, and prosper in the future? Yes, there's this, the one that came from America, really young, uh, uh, Linus. Uh, what's his first name? Diego. I'm sorry, Diego Linus. Diego Linus. Uh, Linus is really good. He's a, a great player. I think he, well, he, he helped America to win a, a championship uh, one year ago. And after that, he had an offer from the uh, Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam Ajax, and he didn't want to take it. It's the what we were talking before. He'd rather go to Betis, that's on the Spanish league, because he was closer to Madrid or Barcelona. And there's a, a Mexican, another Mexican player there, Este Guardado. Thing is that Ajax, that Ajax generation, is the one that that won at the Santiago Bernabéu. If Linus was there, I think he would have performed a really good Champions League. And well, Betis is not playing uh, the Champions. Yeah, that's when you hear when you say it like that. I he, like yeah. He, he and then who knows? He maybe he's moving on to a a big club in England or or even the biggest clubs in Spain if he's playing yeah. for Ajax. Missed he yeah, missed a crazy. huge opportunity. Yeah, to, he could have been a part of that uh, a part of that team. Yeah, because well, there's Chicharito that went 
from Chivas to Manchester United and did a great job there, but it's not the usual. Normally, you need to go to a smaller club or a smaller league and then grow to a, a better team. No, that that makes uh, that 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 makes that makes sense. Uh, but there are more and more Mexican players playing abroad in uh, in in Europe. It, it, it seems they're the, the the national team. If you look at the top eleven, um, almost all of them are playing uh, are playing in Europe. It seems these days. Yes, and and it's a recent thing. Before this generation, there were just a couple of, of players playing outside Mexico, and now we have. Uh, on a, on a good level, uh, around 15 players. The rest are not that good, but also, well, I don't know. It, 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 it's a hard career to be a professional football player, and there's a lot of pressure. And if we are not prepared psychologically, of course, it's going to be even harder. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. And so we've we've talked about this before, um, uh, Chui and I about. Uh, Mexico is obviously the the big team in, in Concacaf and has dominated Concacaf for as long as anyone can remember. How do you feel that that uh, dominance of, or being the the big fish in a small pond impacts them? You know, when when they go to play against some of the bigger teams in the World Cup. Thing is, we are almost guaranteed to go to every World Cup, which is great. But then again, if we are not playing. Uh, more often with Uruguay, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, our level is never going to improve. So there's that. If we were on CONMEBOL, which is the South American uh, Confederation, I'm not so sure we're going to be on every World Cup, but the ones we play, we're going to do better, I think. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because you're product of your environment. And Rainer, just to prove you or call you out, I'm looking at the Mexican current national squad, and they actually have one that's in um, that's in Qatar, which is crazy, right? But outside of that, uh, majority are Mexican. There's one England, uh, two in Holland, MLS, and the rec. The rest are They're all Mexican playing in Mexico Mexico. currently. Yeah, uh, Portugal and Italy probably. But I don't know. I'm just I'm trusting <laughs> Wikipedia here. Um, One question that we we had Alex and I too is: What does the average uh, Mexican soccer fan think of Canada when it comes to when it comes to soccer? Average Mexican fan? No, we we just watch Mexican league. There's like. The, the ones that are really, really hardcore fans that watch the, the champions and sometimes the the Conmebol Champions League. But other than that, we we don't follow many other countries. I mean, Toronto versus Chivas was a big deal here also. Right. Even if the stadium wasn't, wasn't full, but TV-wise, everybody was watching the game. Interesting. So... But but in terms of so when you play Canada, for example, in a World Cup qualifier or whatever, you know, through Gold Cup, what's the sen- like? Do people not even turn on the TV, going, ah, oh, we're playing a but, you know, we're gonna win this game. It's not even worth watching. Is that how Canada's looked on, or, or you know, w- what is the perception on, on national? Generally speaking, the national team has dropped on on ratings as well. We are not so excited about seeing a, a, a match unless it, it's against Germany or Spain or something like that. 
the rest of the games only with the US because well they're, they're, that's something else. We really don't get that excited about a, a qualifying match, as I was saying, and I know it sounds arrogant, but we you, we haven't only on Italy ninety because it wasn't a sport uh, a bad performance uh, uh, with the team. It was because the age of the players was wrong and the um, FIFA drop us out of Italy 90. But we usually are on, on every World Cup. Yeah, it's pretty hard for you for, to, for Mexico not to qualify. It's almost a given. Yeah. Yes, Mexico, Brazil, and so, Germany are almost on every World Cup. No, yeah, like I look at the uh, CONCACAF. Like the, the first team you say above anybody else, you go Mexico's in, that's one spot. There's two left. Now with the U.S., you you know you won't even say they have number two, right? So there, it's Mexico, and then who else? So yeah, then what what interest do they have to watch those qualifiers as much? Yeah, I, I understand it. So, but I want to jump back because you talked about you know Toronto FC when they played Chivas, but so they they actually beat two Mexican teams to get to the final in the Concap Champions League back in 2018, and I just what was your thoughts when they? For example, they beat the big dogs. They beat Club America and Tigres, which I, you know, Ryan and I discussed it. We we thought biggest reason it uh, Toronto FC was able to beat those teams was because they just had to. They sat back and then they countered. And then when they played Chivas in the final, they were playing a team that was struggling yeah. domestically, as in Chivas. So Toronto FC had the ball more, so there was more opportunities to basically mess up and then let Chivas counter them. And, we, and it happened that way too. But what was your thoughts when you saw Toronto FC beating kind of your top dogs? Um, first, I thought it was going to be like Greece on the Euro 2012. What was it? 2004, yeah. Uh, 2004. 2004 yes. I thought that it might be the case. And also on the media and, and some soccer fans, we were thinking that it would be good if Chivas uh, lost because it it would have been a, a way to say, okay, we're not that great. We really need to start working harder because the other countries are starting to to be better than us. Mm. That's that's a fair point. But so basically, you thought Toronto FC was a Cinderella story, basically. Yes. Even with even with Javinko, like I mean, he was the biggest. Reason he was a stud, like he was in his prime well, at that point. General, they lacked a little bit of the experience needed to to win a, a big tournament. No, but I think that's that's fair. And in the end, they, they they came very close. It was down to penalties. It was just it was it was, really it was exceptionally it was really... close. Yeah. Delgado missed that sitter yeah. that a U twelve would have scored. Uh, but anyways, that's another yeah. discussion altogether. Would have left him <laughs> at the airport. Really son, good so. match. It was because Toronto won on Guadalajara, right? On the regular t- uh, time. Yes, I think yes. They they beat them. They lost in in Toronto, and then they beat them in in Guadalajara. Yep. Um, and so it was tied going into penalties. Yeah, they they flipped the the results. Yes, I, I remember that uh, on the transmission they were like, oh, okay, Chivas is. Chivas came, uh, scored the first goal, and everybody was okay. It was a Cinderella story. It's, it's gonna be what we expected. And when the game was over and it was two-one for Toronto, 
everybody was really dangerous, uh, really scared about that. That's when when I I, I got into Twitter and saw that everybody was watching the game. <laughs> so, moving on to back to the or moving back to the Mexican national team, what was the most memorable performance uh, for you that you remember the Mexican team performing? Mexican team, the. Like the national team, what it was the most memorable uh, well, Mexican national team? We had the, the two under seventeen uh, World Cups. The gold. Yes, didn't you win the Olympics once? It was great as well. Yes, that's. Yeah, you. I think Ronaldinho played for Brazil. In it that it one was. Too. Uh, or was it? it was or was it Neymar? No, it was Neymar. Neymar. Yeah, really Neymar good team. Played. It was. Yeah. They had Marcelo, Neymar. I don't remember really well, right? Yeah, when you guys won that, I thought, I said, finally Mexico's going to start becoming who they're supposed to be at the world level, and it hasn't happened. But I thought that after London, you guys would become hey, Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, you, you were at the, the World Cup in South Africa. You went uh, to, to see Mexico there. No, I saw uh, Spain against Paraguay and Uruguay. Then... Okay, you didn't see Mexico. And you, you went all the way to South Africa. Interesting. I always thought that you saw Mexico when you were there. <laughs> No, I didn't. I really wanted to, but I got the tickets. Too ah, late. I see. I see. Okay, okay. So, what is it? Yeah, what is your all-time Mexican? So, or I guess for, maybe not even for you, but what do um, you know when Mexican fans talk about the national team? What are the most uh, you know what are what are the big glories in terms of the triumphs that 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 they talk about? The the final we won the what's the name because it has changed the confederations. The, the Mundialito. Uh, oh, you mean the year before the World Cup? The Confederations Cup. It, it had a, a. It was Prince, I don't know what. Well, the point is uh, Mexico beat Brazil on uh, Stadio Azteca. It was great. It was amazing. A really crazy match. I think it was 3 4 or something like ah, that. Okay. Really, really, really great game. And the, the matches on World Cup, when we beat Germany last uh, World Cup, um, the, we have two draws against Italy that were great games, but nothing more. I mean, we have really good first round games, but after that, we don't. Yeah, that's right. Because you've never been past the round. Uh, we haven't played a fifth game Cup. because the. Yeah, so round is 16. Yeah, you've never been to a quarterfinal. Mm, I don't know if it's quarterfinal because before the uh, no the 90s, the, there were... Fewer teams, teams, right, right. Fewer teams, huh? But, but I think, yes, but I don't think... Be, but they used to do more games. I, I remember I had a magazine because my, my dad used to buy me all this stuff as a kid growing up. Like, didn't buy me much, but soccer-related stuff I got a lot of. Video, VHSs for the kids who don't know what that is. They're basically like a DVD format and, and magazines. And it had a list of the teams. It was 98, I remember. And it had the, the furthest that a team has ever gone. So if you were a champion, it said champion. It had the year. But it had for Mexico, it said round of 16, I remember. And it's never improved on that since. And that was 98. Mm, yes, it's a fifth game. The, the thing is, we have never played a fifth game. That's for sure. But yes, it's more or less the, the, that round. Um, it, it just just for my personal reference, for me, the most memorable 
a moment that uh, for myself uh, for Mexico is probably the best scissor kick goal in my opinion. Like just how it happened. Like I know Cristiano Ronaldo scored that unbelievable one against Juventus in Champions League a couple of years ago, but this one for me is if I don't want to go into detail why, but it's the greatest scissor kick I've ever seen in the '86 yes, World Cup Manolo, by Negrete. Yes, Manolo Have you Negrete. seen that goal? It's epic. Me and Choey were just that talking about that maybe about a month or two ago. I'd never seen that goal, and it came across my eye somehow, and I was like, "How did I never see this incredible goal?" And it's because he didn't have time to think about. Like it was so, it was off a layoff, and it was just the layoff happened to pop up in the air. Like the quick thinking, and then the execution was unbelievable. Yes. Also, there have been. We've been to two Copa America finals against Colombia and Argentina, and we lost them both. That was were really good tournaments, really good generations. Yeah, and that's a big tournament to get to go. We have for uh, sure. Hugo Sanchez against Batistuta, which was a really really interesting uh, game because of that. Hugo Sanchez knew we were not as good as Argentina and he did some a brilliant play before the uh, uh, free kick he touched he barely touched the the, the ball so everybody was just uh, seeing how to place the how do you say the barrera the the wall the wall and, and the the play started before they were ready and we scored after that it was a good match but Argentina won I gotta look that up. This what was in the nineties? Copa America. 90s? Okay, Copa the Copa America. Copa America it has to be around ninety-five, something like that. Okay, we'll have to check that out. So what? Right I'll now, obviously Sorry, the the Mexico and Canada along, well, all right, with the United States along with Mexico and Canada have got the World Cup in in twenty twenty six. What's the feeling about the hosting a World Cup again? Mexico's hosted twice before. So this would be the third time. That's got to be the most anyone's ever hosted the World Cup. Um, what's the feeling there? We're excited, but we don't know what's going to happen because uh, FIFA was supposed to say how it's, it was going to be played this month, right? But because of the COVID, we have no news as far as I know. Right, so, so nothing. But in general, are, are, are people... Uh, excited to have it back? Is, is, is Do you think that will be something that's going to make people, you know believe in the national team again or, or support the national team again we'll be hoping that they do well at home we're really excited because it's a great party but i think we're gonna have only like five or six games so it's gonna be something strange something new we're really excited to have it but we know uh, the, the the final games are not gonna be played right. here that's one actually really interesting thing as as growing up as a, a a soccer fan in canada when the world cup rolls around everyone cheers for different teams and it's it's kind of a strange phenomenon that you know and i think something that we get to miss out on because we're never there that you get to support one team and everyone's pulling in one direction and everyone's supporting one national team when you look at you know some of the the footage from mexico people getting together and everyone's you know taking the day off work and you know they're all wearing the, the jersey you know that's an experience that we've we've yet to have uh at least in uh in our lifetime here in uh, here in canada well, we were probably wasn't even on TV here when they Canada did go. <laughs> well, that's great. When, when you go out to the street and everybody is excited for the game and, and wearing the, the 
the tricolor uh, shirt. It's really, really cool. And yes, everybody, if Mexico makes it to the fifth round, or a fifth game, uh, the country's going to be stopped for a while. It's going to be mayhem. Yes. The, well, yeah, with the new format, they, well, who knows? I, I really am curious when they go to 848 teams, because when they go to group of three, I don't, I, I'm, I am so against a group of three. I, I hate the idea I, of 48 I just, teams. I don't I know no what Joey, what, what you I, think about that, but I, I, I think 32 teams is, is plenty. Yes, it's too much. Uh, football, I mean, the sport is going to be, it's not going to be good because of that. But the the party, the, the, the everything that's around the, the World Cup, it's going to be great to have more games. The best part of the World Cup is the, the first round when you're not playing. True, well, yeah, when there's no pressure on you. <laughs> so, so, but are you saying then, you know, through our relationship then, then I got a couch to sleep on if I want to go to yes, Mexico? Perfect. Okay. Well, good. I'm covered. Maybe I'll watch a game in each country for the for 2026. So um, I want to ask you uh, as well about Lucas Cavallini. So he plays for the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, but he played he in, in uh, Mexico. Um, I, I yes, and w- I don't know if you knew him well or what. But what was kind of the what it, what were the thoughts of Mexicans he about was- his ability? He was he really, really good. I, I remember him. Uh, but, well, he was on a not-so-good team, but he was doing really, really good. Puebla is one of those teams that one year is on the three better teams, and the next season you don't even realize that they're playing. And when this guy was playing, I think they made it to the... I'm not so sure, but to the, the playoffs... And they were playing really good. Okay. Well, no, yeah, because he, he, he got a big contract to, in to move to Cruz Azul. That that would have been great because in Cruz Azul, he, he we would have seen if he was a great player or just a, a good striker. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he got big money. I know to go to Vancouver. So, in your opinion, then. Um, which, like, including him, I guess, because we really haven't had any Canadians play in that league, but um, who are the Americans or Canadians that stood out for you that have come to Mexico and played in the league? Well, now it's funny because we have many, many American, Mexican-American players. So ah, it, it's funny because they are born here or in the U.S., but their parents are Mexicans, and it's crazy. But one that stood out was, of course, Landon Donovan when he came to play here with Leon. It was crazy because he was uh, enemy number one for everyone. He, went, he pissed on the Estadio <laughs> Guadalajara, and we were really, really, really mad about that. And then he comes and plays for, for a team. Well, but was he getting destroyed everywhere he went? Yeah, he, he, was he getting he destroyed by the fans though. everywhere he went, or what was... Everybody was so pissed. But he, he played uh, Only a few games. games. He was... They yeah, it wasn't like that much, games, but we were yeah. really everybody was really pissed that he was coming here. <laughs> the ratings exactly. went up for that for those also, games. Another player that <laughs> I thought was gonna do better was the Marcus Beasley, the US player that was really he was supposed to be the American player, yes, but never yeah. never got yeah. to that level. <laughs> Along with Freddie Adu. Yeah. Along yeah, with Freddie he was, Adu, he was another one who was exactly yes, yes. 
Freddie didn't play. But Freddie oh, played what, every I, what I mean is he, he was big. There was big but, talk. But Freddie, no, no, I know. No, no, I know. But I mean, like, he literally, to try to, you know, sell his trade, he was, he played in like I think at one point he played in Serbia, actually. Maybe six. I would have to look it up. I think he did. Yeah, he might have been actually so, in Partizan. Joey, I, I, you bring, you bring uh, up here, a good point. Those, Sorry, those keep going. Uh, players who are, uh, they've got a Mexican background, Mexican parents, and they come back to play in Mexico. How are they perceived by the Mexican public? Do they view them as Mexicans or, they, or is there that they're American? Mm, well, this is going to sound strange, but a lot has to do with their name and their skin color. There's this uh, goalkeeper, William Jarburg. Uh, he played on Leon. He was born in Mexico. His parents were American, and he's playing for the national team of the U.S. But he was really good on on Leon. He was uh, champions uh, two times. And then there are others that you really don't realize they're American until you see they, they are wearing the U.S. shirt. You, yeah. So you guys, you, you basically they're they fit in as as Mexicans if they they look and sound Mexican. They're that's sort of how they're perceived. Yes, and and. Well, it, it all depends on, on, on the player. There hasn't been so far, uh, like, I don't know, like if Bella was to choose between Mexico and the U.S., like a really good player, but it's going to happen yeah, eventually. It's, it's going to happen someday. And what about American players choosing to play for Mexico? Jonathan so Gonzalez comes to mind. Are, how, do, how do Mexicans, how do they view that? they know that it's going to be more competitive, our national team, and it's going to be harder. So they are really looking for a better uh, opportunity to, to, to shine, to make a, a better World Cup. So we embrace break. But do you, when they don't speak, say, like, or they speak Spanish, like you can tell there's a little accent. Do, do the Mexican people look at them differently for that? Or if they speak, do they have to speak fluently well like no, what's the perception no, no, that? not that much because it's it's become more usual that we have mexican americans here and there especially and they play especially on uh Cholos de tijuana which is a border team uh, next to california and well leon is on the like on the middle of the country but yes, uh, we're used to have a, a Mexican American play. It's not unusual. It's it's just part of it's just that's just part of Mexican American relationships. I believe almost every team has or have had a, a Mexican American play at some stage. Interesting. Okay, so I want to jump into the women's game. Um, so I don't know how much you follow the women's game, uh, but. Recently, Mexico has beaten Canada in the last few CONCACAF U20 qualifications. And like, I think the last two or three U20 uh, CONCACAF championships. But most recently, they lost to Canada in the 2020 Olympics qualifying. So, in your opinion, like US is number one. It's actually very similar, you could say. I mean, US are, you know, World Cup winners at the women's level, but, but the US women run the show in CONCACAF as do the Mexican men in, uh, you know, in CONCACAF. So how close are the women you think to challenging for second, um, you know, with their U20 success and, you know, the, bridging the gap. And as well, Ryan mentioned last week that you have now a women's professional. I don't, I'm not so sure. 
I think it's going to be Canada and Mexico for the second place because the rest of the countries probably don't have the infrastructure to have a, a good league and, and to improve their level. But Is that right? Costa Rica is actually pretty good now too on the women's. Yeah, they, We have sorry, a, a league that has been improving. It's not that great, but I, I don't know. I, I actually don't know much about the, the women's uh, uh, team. It's bad on my side, <laughs> I know. We're putting you on the spot. No, I don't want to say something that I shouldn't. I mean, just logically thinking, with the women's league being there, it's only a matter of time till they they're really pushing to be number two or take a stranglehold. Because you know, we had actually uh, the head of uh, women professional soccer for the future of it in Canada. She was on our show um, previously, and and. She doesn't think we'll get a league till 2027. Yes. So I would think by the 2023 World Cup, you should be stronger than Canada just based on league and already where you are and winning at the U20 level versus Canada. I feel like you you should be taking the second. Yes, probably because playing a constant league, it's really important. And then playing against uh, other countries. Uh, other, uh, 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 yeah, it, should, it, could only, it could only help. Well... I think we've we've asked it all. We've 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 picked your brain, Chewy, here on uh, on Mexican soccer, and uh, yeah, we appreciate you you joining us and, uh, and giving up part of your your Saturday evening in uh, in lockdown here to, to, to talk soccer with uh, um, with us here. It has been great. Hopefully, my English wasn't that broken, and and you can have me back anytime Perfect. you want. And watch Club de Cuervos. Yeah, honestly, that's, yeah, I think it, that's, that's the takeaway. That's I was actually thinking that in my head too, but I'm like, should that's we be true. advertising for Netflix? All Netflix right, thanks, Joey. Have a good night. Anything, so. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Take care. Tune in next week when we have Arthur Bremer. Arthur is an academy coach at New York City FC and has been there for the last couple of years. He previously worked at Fulham Academy and worked with players that have now gone on to the Premier League level. He's going to give us insight to the English game, the US game in Canada, and his perspective on the differences, as well as the future of football in North America. Hope you tune in.